Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. I am David and I'm very tired and I'm <laughs> here with Rob. Hello. James. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> Jamie. You alright? And Alistair. Hello. Been trying to start this podcast for about fucking 15 minutes now. Jamie, like... Jamie's been injured in the process. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Jamie... The much like much like these episodes, we've been taking a lot of heavy enemy fire. <laughs> mm. I, I think I think we should do more of these back to back episodes. The second one always has a, an energy to it that I really enjoy. Yeah, cost of energy. It might be it might be the energy leaking out of David, to be totally honest, but it's still an energy. <laughs> a miracle there's any fucking left. Um, <laughs> right, okay, let's just fucking kick off, will we? Uh, it's another <laughs> cultural committee episode, and we are here to fulfil uh, a promise uh, that we made. What we obligation? Yeah, I know, and fucking one of those things. Um, Our patriotic sense. duty, David. That's what we're here to do. Yes, indeed. Well, we are going to talk about um, Keir Starmer. Uh, is that you? What? <laughs> Patriotism. What? Never mind. Jesus Christ. All oh, right. Okay. Well. <laughs> I've not been paying attention with the fucking ham-faced cunts talking about. Um, <laughs> In fairness, <laughs> no one else has either. So you're exactly, fine. exactly. <laughs> I have met the zeitgeist. Um, <laughs> I met two zeitgeists in the yellow wood. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to talk about film series and, and a wider media series. Um, and I'll give you a little hint. Oh, very good. That's right. We're going to be talking about Tom Clancy's shit films and games. <laughs> Welcome to the Clancy verse. Oh dear. So can oh. I can I can I kick us off with a story about how Tom Clancy got started? Sure. Why not? Is it by wearing a hat that said USS something or other on it, the USS mm. Nonce or whatever? He always wear those Navy hats. Um. No, it's 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 even better than that because obviously he gets started in the nineteen eighties, right? Writing his books, his books which were at the time no one else had done really when, something quite like this. When you say it's even better than that, I'm assuming that you're referring to the the navy hat, and by even better you mean he's wearing a sombrero or something. <laughs> no, it's it's how he actually developed his first book, right? Um, because obviously his first book was The Hunt for Red October. And he then followed up with Red Storm Rising. And A Hunt for Red October is basically about a USSR submarine defection, among other things, right? And Red Storm Rising is the inexplicable scenario where the US and the USSR go to war only using conventional weapons. But we'll gloss all that over, right? Because, because he, um, you know, credit to him, he actually went and did the fucking research, right? Because you could, the internet didn't exist. You couldn't like go online and go, uh, World of Tanks, what are the stats of the latest high-end tank in the US arsenal? <laughs> like, you couldn't do that. So he had to like fucking read trade magazines. Uh, he had to go to the library. I'm sorry, but you just, you just put in my mind like uh, some future like archaeologist pulling hard drive out of like the ground and then <laughs> working out how strong the tanks were from the like the mid 20th century purely based on like world of tank stats yeah but that, that's what he did essentially like he just essentially ate a jane's intelligence handbook and just shat it out into a novel form yeah he like he he seriously did the research and you gotta like you know as a writer 
I've got to respect that that's a lot of time and effort pre-internet days to put together the tech specs of all of this. Now, what makes it really funny, though, really funny, is how he plotted out the events of Hunt for Red October and Red Storm Rising. Because he did it, and I shit you not, he did it with a bunch of mates by sitting around a table playing a war game called Harpoon on pen and paper. Right? <laughs> one of us. One of us. <laughs> it's absolute, absolute grognard roleplay gamer, basically, sits down and he's like, right, I want to write a story about this event. So we're going to play out this event on this uh, war game called Harpoon. And Harpoon's pretty interesting because Harpoon was developed by civilians. It's still used to this day by Navy instructors to train officer cadets. And its numerical models of American and at the time, like Soviet vehicles, weapon systems, they were so detailed that the, this is true, this happened. The Department of Defense, the Department of Defense paid a very, very like serious visit to the developer. There's a guy called Larry something or other. Um, oh no, it was Larry Bond actually, because he did Red Storm Rising with Clancy actually. Um, demanding to see his classified materials, only to discover that he managed to put it together purely from public released kind of stuff. And so to give you the, the proper image of Clancy going into this, he's a war game nerd who, with his war game nerd mate, who developed the go-to like tabletop game for naval battles, he took this grognard knowledge and digested it and concentrated it and turned it into an international best-selling series of books which may have had state funding and, and benefit behind it towards its, like, real explosion. But this is where the man comes from. He is a fucking dice-rolling nerd playing with tabletop games and then writing up his campaign as a story. So, yeah, while, while also being a right-wing lunatic, let's be yeah, Well, that's, that's how yes. They, um, that's how they make Fast and Furious films, so... <laughs> not, not <that> <laughs> oh, man, I still want to do an episode on the Fast and Furious universe. Oh, oh, we have to. We, this fucking tossed thing, full stop. Yeah, we 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 can't do Fast and Furious until we're a family. So we've got a few. We've got another year to go. <laughs> Fuck's sake. So with that introduction to Clancy out the way, uh, where do you want to start? Do we want to start with the films or do we want to start with the books, Rob? What yeah, do you think? let's start with. The, I mean, let's like, start with the films. Yeah, yeah, because we watched a couple of films like in prep for this, and obviously some of us have seen plenty, and some of us have not seen that many. Uh, I think I'd seen. The Hunt for Red October, which is like a good film. That's a good. And film. then it is a very good film, despite Sean Connery's very dodgy accent in it. <laughs> it's, yeah. I don't know what's dodgy about it. It's a perfect Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, isn't <laughs> it? Isn't that's a thing? <laughs> to to oh. us, to, to, Jamie, to us, Sean Connery's natural Scottish accent sounds like that dude. It, you know, in Castle impersonating a Geordie. <laughs> like, uh, that's about. how it that sounds. perfect, that, man. <laughs> we, all, we all sound like that around uh. here. <laughs> even when, when, even right to now. the point where when we talk, you can hear, like, pan pipes playing and stuff. <laughs> the, mic, the mic just doesn't pick it up when I'm on here. That's the, would you, would you uh, rather have pan pipes going when you speak, or would you rather have Enya? <laughs> oh. Yeah, right. Let's just, yeah, let's just fucking start on that film. Well, we yeah, so we watched um, Patriot Games. Yeah, I kind of <sighs> liked Patriot Games. I'm not Why? gonna lie. It's an alright movie. <laughs> no, it's not. The pacing <laughs> is weird as shit. No, the pacing right. is the terrible. Plot, the plot of Patriot Games for for anyone who's not seen it is um, the president from Air Force One 
stops Boromir from killing Lawrence Fox's dad in London. <laughs> and so the queen, the queen makes him a lord or some shit. <laughs> Yeah. 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 That's that's about it. Yep. (laughs) It's a very boring movie with very weird pacing that then has an extraordinarily stupid ending. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I mean, it's an an action thriller from like before the the mid to late 90s. So, yeah, the pacing is just fucking dreadful. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it's like aliens, like fucking aliens just what the fuck up. (laughs) It's it's like an hour before you fucking see an alien. Do you know what I mean? And then, yeah. like, then there's a bit of action, and then they just sit around for like another fucking hour till something else happens. It's like Jesus Christ! Dude. I kind of, oh. I, I kind of like the pacing of films like this a little bit. I don't, I don't like the pacing of Patriot Games. It's shit, but I liked like the pacing of stuff like Aliens and Lawrence because I felt like it, it gave things room to breathe. It didn't have to drag you by the nose through everything, and I kind of liked soundtrack that. helped with it. Yeah, it did, didn't it? <laughs> Like the reason that I played that at the start is because James Horner did the soundtrack for Aliens, and he also did the soundtrack for Patriot Games, mm. and he just reused some of the Alien soundtrack. Which is really, really funny. <laughs> yeah, because that cut that I played at the start, that's from the Patriot Games soundtrack, it's not from Aliens. Yeah. I hate See, it so much. The, the, the possible it plays theories. so many fucking times through the film, yeah. and it took me out of it every single mm-hmm. fucking time. Aye. It's no longer the Alien soundtrack, it's the theme to Jack Ryan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, know, I I'm thinking like I'm never going to trust someone with two first names for like. Both well, I mean Jack just... Ryan, like I mean Jack Ryan is like the star character in the Clancy multiverse, and yeah. it's just like he he has he a the... he has a um he has a middle name, doesn't he as well? Didn't they mention that at some point in the film? I he probably uh, does. I don't know, would... but. I... That would like that would qualify him for that bit in Justified where like Raylan says you should never like trust anyone with three first names. <laughs> <laughs> triple triple winner I, right off the bat. I, I, I have to say I've I've heard rumor that in addition to playing oh, it's, Morgan, uh, like... you're you're correct, uh, in, in, Jamie. It's uh, John Patrick Ryan. There you oh go. God, of course it is. We t- we actually discussed that before on the episode and we talked about his Irish ancestry and all that shit. I'm now remembering. But anyway, um, I'm like, surprised. I'm surprised. It, like, they mention his middle name in the film and they don't give him, like, fucking Enya whenever he's on screen. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard a rumor, and this is only rumor, this is not substantiated, that in addition to playing, like, Wargame Tabletop, um, Tom Clancy also did kind of, like, traditional D&D style tabletop kind of stuff, and that Jack Ryan was his character. But I don't know if that's true. I can't actually find anything to confirm that. I would fucking, I would fucking love to play a game of D&D <laughs> where you've got like a ranger and a fucking wizard and a fighter and then like a CIA analyst. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it would, like can, can you imagine it? Because it would be, he'd be like the er that guy at the table who's really into the kit kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you're all like, ah, oh, right, okay, time to go to the dungeon and like crack the lich's skull. And um, the guy's like, well, actually, you've got to take out the phylactery, but not to worry, because I've got my 10-foot pole, and he just takes up 10 minutes going, do we all have trail rations and all this shit, while everyone's rolling their eyes and drinking beer and eating pretzels. Anyway. He refuses to use the term levelling up, he says moving up an echelon. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm I'm hearing here is Tom Clancy was the intended market for fatal. We are not explaining that one to our audience. If your audience, if you don't know what fatal is, that's on yeah, you. If you're if you're listening along at home, please uh, get out your hundred ten sided die, please. Um, yeah. Um, although that's not to say that this film isn't horny. For example, um, oh yeah, Harrison Ford delivers one of 
the best lines in cinematic history in a very <laughs> tense scene. I'll give you the full effect of it. So he's um, got a satellite image and he's doing the old <laughs> zoom and enhance on it. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I love about that now that I've like heard it without like actually seeing the picture in front of me is how yeah. much the fucking CIA guys like computer enhanced feature sounds like Cubit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also I also like that they is it's subtle that they introduce like the almost like drum beat kind of thing in the background for like you know um un un uh reformed and unreconstructed lust is like you know drum beat clearly that's what we got to go there with it bring out the bongo drums that's what's needed <laughs> he's making music. such a fucking face as well when he, uh, oh, when he yes. realizes oh. he's got boobs on his satellite feed <laughs> <laughs> the thing is as well that that follows it is, honestly, on it's it's that the fir- it's the face every like twelve or forty year old boy made in the early aughts <laughs> when you know <laughs> the 32 k six modem finally produced the fair- first pair of tits. See, I, I, I've been genuinely right. Okay, the real seriousness for a second. I've actually been thinking back on this, and I have a theory. And the theory is that we're all a bit like we are brain poisoned by our access to the internet, and so we've got all the boobs, tits, kind of phase out, essentially. Thank you for clarifying there, James. I was was confused for a moment. (laughs) Yeah, but like, um, you know, the the Harrison Ford, that probably is his first time ever seeing tits on dial-up, essentially. So, you know, kind of, it fits. It it fits. 1992, you know what I mean? You had to get a job at the CIA for that sort of thing back then. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, that follows on from those drums as well. I just had to check that James Horner didn't also do the soundtrack for Predator. James Horney. <laughs> that's, that's not a theft. Yeah, that follows on from the scene where like he goes to splash cold water on his face and then like gets caught in the woman's bathroom. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes. And then like, do you know what I mean? And like the woman's just sort of like, Oh, I'm sorry, I think one of us is in the wrong bathroom, like really cheerfully. Like that just happens all the time. It's one of the perks of working at the CIA is that Harrison Ford might like try to fucking like get corner you in the bathroom or something. But then he goes out. And she comes out, and he just stares at her as she's walking away in the corridor while he has, like, flashbacks to a fucking terrorist attack. Do you know what I mean? But, like, she obviously doesn't. No. She obviously can't see the flashbacks, so to anyone else, he's just staring at that woman as she leaves the bathroom. <laughs> like, and also, it's not just a flashback, but it's a flashback where he remembers things that he doesn't remember seeing. Yeah. And it's like, mm, that okay, fine, whatever. Like you've t- you've entered your mind, pa- your CIA mind palace, in order to remember like <laughs> facts from something that happened at the start of this movie. But okay, yeah. should we Here's should we thing, go should I... we go back and like go through the plot? Well, the before book? you do, I just yeah, want right. to set to set the scene for the plot for this. I've got to say, I know he's playing a role, but the things like that that the character does in this has got a real Harrison Ford energy to it. Like, it, it strikes me as the kind of thing that Harrison Ford would probably get up to if Harrison Ford was in the CIA. I don't if, know any other way in, to describe that. And if that. Harrison Ford wasn't constantly high off his face on weed. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, he so, loves, loves a that... bit of the old devil's lettuce, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Big advocate for Lucifer's Cress. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. 
Right, David, fucking recap the movie. Go on. Oh, my God. Right, so Jack Ryan has quit the CIA, but he's to go to London for some talk to some naval pricks, and he delivers that. And as, as he's delivering, he's with his wife and daughter, uh, they, they witness a terrorism happening, and it's the it's the not IRA, especially not the IRA. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah, the politics, um, the politics like, of American '90s cinema would not allow you to portray the IRA as unequivocally evil. Yep, <laughs> that, that is that's genuinely true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, no lies. Um, <laughs> but it's not. It's not just that though. It's that uh, they they are kind of IRA. They're like a rogue cell. Yeah. <laughs> a splinter cell, if you will. Mm, yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a it's a recurring theme about like all these movies and watch it. We we you know we've been watching for this podcast and like the book that we just uh, reviewed with Sinan. But like the fact that the USSR fell is like the worst thing that's happened to like American action cinema in like cinematic history. <laughs> it really is. Like they're always trying to bring it back or they're trying to like they try and do something else instead of the USSR and it's always just yeah, it just has a off feeling about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, yeah so they, the, um, the, the they do a lot of stuff. That... They do a lot of stuff with like evil, like Mexican cartels. But you can tell the heart's just not in it in the same way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially pre nine eleven as well. Yeah, they just they just want a back man. Feel like shit. They, they just <laughs> they want the ability. They want the ability for a ripped guy shirtlessly to say "you filthy commie" as he's like punching someone or something like that. They really want that back, and it's just it's not there. It's just not there. It's not the same. Yeah, well, I mean, well it, give it, it is... give it a year or two. They've been making a Die Hard where Bruce Willis fights the DSA. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is at, oh. in, in, at least exceedingly Irish because every time somebody Irish appears on stage, there's either the alien music or there's just like Enya or some yeah. s- some some lilting Irish tune. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of um, Irish yeah, people, is... like Sean Bean. Yeah, it's what I love about that, <laughs> yeah. What I love about the start when they're driving to the terrorist attack in their fake taxi is um. Is <laughs> now I know the movie's horny, but let's not go that direction. There's with Sean Bean and there's two Irish actors, and Sean Bean is making a conscious effort to sound more Irish than the two actual Irishmen in the scene with him. <laughs> and I just, you know what I mean? I love that, like. And his Irish I, accent, I, I don't even think his Irish accent is that bad. Although, like you know, Irish people feel free to yell at me. But um, <laughs> yeah, they, they will. They absolutely will. But like compared but, to some of the fucking horrors we witnessed in like nineties movies about the IRA, you know what I mean? Um, like fucking Richard Gere in the Jackal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I I will say Sean Bean makes this movie for me. Like I think I, I this movie is tolerable because of Sean Bean. I think that's yeah. I'm, de- like I'm definitely it. here for Sean Bourne's performance in this whole thing. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> he's just he's just having a great time, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's just he's just. I love that he's just like pure fucking Raj. Do you know what I mean? Like they just mm. want, what's this character's motivation? He's Raj. He's fucking furious. Yeah, he has to watch his brother, with, who was credited as Paddy Boy. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, he has to watch his brother die because Han Solo shoots him in the back or some shit. <laughs> and then, uh, and then for the rest of the film, he's just like fucking. He's just literally furious the whole time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, which oh, is correct. If we just get on this boat and go and like train with Gaddafi, we'll be able to overthrow the the hated English. And he's like, fucking, I don't care about the hated English. I need to kill fucking like uh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. The, the terrorist attack that they attempt is to uh, wedge a taxi in front of a government vehicle that's carrying like some incredibly fucking minor royal. Yeah, in in the books, like, he's actually the Prince of Wales, but it, in the movie, that's not stated or explained. I don't understand why they're not. They no, it is. It's, it's, the it's explained. He's like some cousin. guy's fucking cousin, the Queen Mother's yeah, yeah, yeah. cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, also the fucking the, Nomark. and also the first <laughs> yeah. Lord of some shit. I mean, like, yeah. just why? Why would you? I don't know why they would purposefully like lower the stakes like no, this. No, I know. Unless... I know why they do it. I know why they do it. It's because again, politics of the nineties, right? Yeah. You can't do. A film in which the IRA is unequivocally evil, and in the same way, I dis- I vehemently disagree. Well, <laughs> and in the same way, you can't do a film where the IRA like has a go at the Prince of Wales. Like it's it, it politically would have been untenable. Yeah. So they they basically they they took it down so it would sell better <laughs> in Britain and the papers in would have careful. The papers would have you give the, fuck the IRA off. ideas. <laughs> well, yeah, that—that's the thing. Like, that would be the title. Like, it'd be big headlines in the Sun, basic, and it, or even fucking News of the World, like saying, um, you know, fucking sick filth movie films fantasize um, and provide <laughs> IRA with fodder for more attacks. What R die thinks of it and all this kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking, do you know what I mean? Yeah, if, so, if, the, if if it had actually been an attempt on the Prince of Wales, we'd have heard a lot about it in the years 2016 to 2019, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, they attempt this uh, shooting. They're, they're, they're going to fucking get the guy who's in the car. Uh, this is all fucked up because Han Solo shoots Paddy Boy in the back and the cops turn up. And then the usual thing happens where he's the hero and, and he gets knighted and, and also boy, while Sean Bean gets taken away to jail. Boy, do the cops ever turn up? Because there's like a bunch of soldiers <laughs> arrive on the scene first. And then yeah. you see like a bunch of like fucking cop, like a bunch of classic British bobbies in like fucking, in like the, the old style tit helmet running down the street <laughs> yeah. blowing whistles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the whistles are to scare off the crime. Those are the two, like, those are the two levels. The two levels of response to fucking terrorism in London in the early nineties. We've got the <laughs> army, and then Dixon of Doc Green. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, that's that's seeming all good, and then obviously Harrison Ford has to go home, and at the same time as that's happening. It, which, by the way, is one of the nicest homes I've. Ever oh, he doesn't. Seen he doesn't. Like... He doesn't go home right away. You've got. You've got. You've, you're skipping over the whole bit where DCI Frank Gallagher like fucking uh, trains him on his like <laughs> testimony to the court, and he That's like right, yeah. he fucking. And there's a really weird bit in the court that I didn't quite get where they like they ask him if he st- still works for the CIA and remind him he's under oath, and he says no, and, and I'm like right. Well, technically, again, no, again, technically, according to the books, he does not work for the CIA. He works for a front company that is the CIA, but, you know, technically correct, the best kind of correct. (laughs) But, yeah, but, like, nothing comes They simplified that, that, you know, they simplified that in the film by him actually not being there, because that's when um, Darth Vader turns up to offer him his job back, and he turns it down. Yeah. (laughs) I hate this film so much. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's like... uh, I don't know. I don't know how we're gonna spend. Like, we better not spend like the next like forty five minutes talking about the plot because there's just nothing fucking happens for the majority <laughs> of this fucking movie. Yeah, but yeah. Sean Bean gets gets like sprung from chokey by um, <laughs> a rocket launcher attack on like London Bridge or some shit. 
Yeah, it? or is it yes. meant to be somewhere in Kent? I, I don't know. It's kind of confusing. They do. North they do London say Bridge. it's in Kent, didn't they? It's in the countryside. They say later on that it's in Kent, but they're like, yeah. when, when, when it's shot, like it's definitely in the middle. It looks like in the middle of London, like, but yeah. But no, weirdly, they, they, there's like they, no they, one. The there. van stops. The van stops because the bridge is fucking gone up. Oh. But yeah, they say that he's been. Uh, they say that he's been liberated somewhere near, somewhere in Kent. So it's a very confused film. There's uh, a theme of that. Yeah, <laughs> but then he escapes on like a, he escapes on a fucking dinghy across the channel, and it's mm. later revealed that he boarded a Libyan freighter because those Libyans. Do you know what I mean? That is Libyans. First, first they killed Libyans, Brown, who... and now they like fucking train the IRA. There's just when no he... end to their cinematic evils. So when was Lockerbie <laughs> bombing again? Can you remember, David? Oh, uh, after this, I think. Was it? Uh, okay. No, no, it was before this. This was 1992. Lockerbie definitely happened before this. Oh, it was 1988. You're right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's what I thought. That's why I, that's why I took the whole Libyan thing in this. Because, uh, you know, Libya, Lockerbie, all the shit that went down with it, the yeah. narrative that was spun about it. No, but, yeah, you I, know. I definitely remember that Lockerbie had happened before I started secondary school, because my first year of secondary school, they put up a notice board in one of the classrooms where kids could go in and, like, do sanctioned graffiti between classes, and then they had to take it down after a week because someone put a joke up about how they were going to they were gonna let Fred West off because it turned out he bought his, tops, he bought his topsoil from Lockerbie. <laughs> and it was just like it was like no okay right we can't give the kids this like uh this outlet for their fucking creativity apparently jamie did you put that up because no. that sounds exactly like the sort of joke you come up with no i was i was 11 man that was a bit that was a bit like a fucking ahead of my ahead of me like you know what I mean, this is the this is the dojo that jamie trained yeah <laughs> I, I was standing, standing oh. looking at that like Batman in the rainy alley. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we, yeah, we, it's, a, it's established canon that uh, Jamie was a poster in the world before posting. <laughs> oh, oh, fuck me. Oh, yes. Excellent. What were we talking about? <laughs> Libyans. Yeah. He, he yeah, jumps Libyans, a tanker yeah. to Libya. That's right, because the IRA has training camps in Libya. Well, everybody has training camps in Libya. Like, it's the IRA, the PLO, the Red Army Brigade. Yeah, they reel off. They reel off. Like, they're just sitting reading the fucking, like, reading a page from the manual for Sid Meier's covert action. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> listen to all these, like, diabolical fucking terrorist groups. <laughs> it just oh, makes me want yeah. to spend my next holiday in the Libyan desert hanging out with cool people, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, CIA analysts oh. just like you know what I mean. Like, who who are all these training camps? And the guys just winging it and listing all the ones that like Alan Rickman does in Die Hard. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the Asian Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so uh, yeah, that that all happens, um, and then Harrison Ford gets told that, uh, that Sean Bean's escaped from prison and. They tell him, "Ah, oh, you're no danger. It's fine, though." And he goes, "That's fine. I'm not worried." And then, he what's the first? Leaves. Where's the first place? Fucking uh, scene being goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to his yeah, fucking wife's. Uh, no, his daughter's school, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's great that like they they set a fucking they set like an assassin after 
after fucking Jack Ryan, but then Sean Bean, like who's Sean Bean, who is just like incredibly like horny for murdering Jack Ryan, decides he doesn't <laughs> want the Jack Ryan half of that job, and instead wants to go and like machine, like just spray his fucking wife's Porsche with an Uzi on the freeway. Um, and it's just like, yeah, it's really, it's really weird that bit as well because he's like pulling up alongside, like ready to like shoot her. Just as Jack Ryan's ringing her to say, look out, Sean Bean's about to shoot you. And then some car, just like, just some <laughs> random dickhead just starts barging in. Like, there's a van there with, a, like, an Irish guy hanging out with an Uzi, like, ne- like about to shoot a Porsche. And some guy's like, no, I'm late for me. Just, like, blasts his way through between the two of them and disrupts the plan. Yeah, it's like that bit in Olympus has fallen where the, the guys just keep turning up with guns. Like, it's the most, like, this is normal America scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, um, the the fucking, the attempted hit on Jack Ryan himself is great. Like, he sees, he's coming out of the Naval College where he teaches history or some shit. Yeah, I mean, this is like the Naval College, which is essentially a place filled with people with guns. Like, it's... it's... Yeah. <laughs> but he sees yeah. one guy across the street looking shifty, and then, like, the guy walks away when he clocks him. And he goes down the street, but then he sees the guy like has come back and is following him in the back of a like mirrored van, and then like gets into a fist fight with the guy. The, all like the guy gets the drop on him, but then like all the guards from the naval academy like machine gun the guy in the street, and then Jack Ryan goes and gets in his car to ring his wife, and while like a navy guy's tapping on the window, and he just locks the door. Do you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> I, lo- I love that that scene. That scene made me fucking crack up because it's like the the um. The like navy guard guy is like trying to like rap rap on the window like are you okay and he's just like trying to just get away from this fucking yeah. <laughs> this uh, guard honestly, that he doesn't yeah, trust. Honestly, what, I, what I, I loved I, about this was he like who the fuck starts their car during an IRA assassination attempt? I thought this fucking <laughs> worked in intelligence. Do you know what I mean? And the first thing he does is like let's see if they've car bombed me, and then he's just away down the street. Now, for me, my absolute favorite thing is, like, this is the crack, or at least a semi-crack um, IRA hit team. And the where they decide to do it is not, like, two blocks away from the Naval Academy, where you could presumably get away with such things. Yeah. But, like, literally where five armed guards with machine guns can see them. It's it really it's really astonishing planning on their it's, part. Um, it's weird, though, because, like, later on, they fucking... Like, Sean Bean's complaining that... Uh... Sean Bean's complaining that, you know, the fucking, like, he saw he saw the wife and kid die, which he didn't, but that, like, they, they sent, like, fucking, you know what I mean, like, Larry the fucking yeah, screw oh, yeah. up to, to kill Jack Ryan, and he's not dead. And the other mm-hmm. guy says, like, ah, but you, you tripped, like, did what we needed it to do. And it's like, as far as I could figure out, that was, what they needed that to do was increase the security on Jack Ryan so that when the fucking, like, um, the Archduke or whoever the fuck it was, came to like came to visit him in America, he would have to go to his house because like the Ryans were in lockdown and couldn't go to like the embassy or some shit. <laughs> so like, do you know what I mean? Had they killed the whole family, I don't know what the fuck like would have they were expecting to like do after that. Also, like how like thorough are you as a hitman where you just assume that a car crash that you've caused has killed your target? Oh well I mean are you gonna are you gonna do a U turn on an American freeway like it's, it's not <laughs> a is it really, you know what I mean? So we've got the the royal cousin or whatever the fuck he is uh, decides that he's going to come over and see Jack Ryan, um, but 
there's a guy in his office who's working for the not IRA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who like makes sure that all this happens and masterminds it because Oh it's that's, um that's exactly it's, not, it's not just any guy though. One. It's Captain Hastings from Poirot. Oh, right, okay. Uh, So, yeah, Captain Hastings masterminds all this to, well, not even masterminds, just facilitates all of this to make sure that this happens in the right way. And uh, they visit and then they do a bunch of tactical shit because, again, you're missing the. um, You're missing the incredible fucking 10 minutes of, like, just blistering hot cinema. Where like the fucking like guy the, the the rare bookseller that the IRA are using as their fucking go between gets like spied oh on by the God, cops yeah. and a fuse blows yep. and he calls Lofty from EastEnders to come and like fix the wiring <laughs> and they're just talking about the fucking electrics for like five minutes in the middle of this political thriller and I'm just like Jesus Christ like this is this is electric stuff pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the and the yeah. fucking oh yeah when the when the fucking um portly um rare book guy uh, yeah. realizes that there's a fucking cat like the electric uh, the electrician pulls like uh, the big camera going yeah. oh what's this uh, and he's like oh I've got camera out of the scene and goes like what do you make of this <laughs> and he goes oh I've got some uh, urgent urgent books I need to deliver and he just grabs a fucking handful of books and runs to the nearest fucking phone book a uh, phone uh, yeah um. Phone stall, fucking phone box. Phone box. Phone, box. Yeah, yeah. phone booth box, booth. It's, it's okay, baby hasn't used them before, it's all right. <laughs> what do you mean? Where else am I meant to get those pamphlets? <laughs> Holy shit, wow, okay. Yeah, all right, well done. Uh, oh, yeah, no, he doesn't even, yeah, he, he runs away and bolts to the fucking, he bolts onto the tube and, like, he, he, he manages to evade them. And do you then... see how Gallagher misses him because he gives some woman his hat? and then the next thing you know he's in Libya to be shot by Sean Bean yeah yeah and it's like okay what was the point of that guy oh do you know what it is as well at that point in the film it's not even DCI Gallagher anymore is it it's fucking uh, it's um, Alan Armstrong or maybe it'll be only you know these fucking people (laughs) yeah he's a local hero Alan Armstrong man (laughs) I mean the whole point of that guy is to point out that there's a a betrayer inside the uh, the inner circle of, of the not Prince of Wales Oh man! Like anyway, can, can we move through? off this movie because it's really quite yes. boring? Oh, we got to talk like, about the exciting fucking night vision at the end, though. You know what I mean? Tom oh, yeah, Clancy's ghost will be furious if we don't bring up the night vision. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the IRA fully cladded out in tier one operator shit with the night vision goggles and everything. Yeah, they've got. You just got to remember, they've got like the because they're a splinter cell. They've got like the the goggles from yeah. Splinter Spell with like the three bits, but one of them's orange, one of them's white, and one of them's green. So, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been, like, so these guys, these guys are dressed like to the gills in like tactical nonsense, and they and they all run around like they've never held a gun before. It's great. Yeah. It's I love how just, they take, like his house is surrounded by like fucking tier one operators, and the, like the IRA, like the the three people from the IRA or four people or whatever it is, just. Like kill all of the fucking like secret service guys, like yeah, without house. blinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, and just... then like get to the house and are just confused by the fact that the family have hidden. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, they're on for like ten minutes, just bumbling around in the fucking dark. Yeah, and then there's a really fucking stupid chase scene in boats. And yeah. Then oh, the fucking and that, scene, that scene. Is if incredible. you've ever, if you've ever wanted to see like Han Solo kneecap Captain Captain Hastings from Poirot, this is the, the movie for you. <laughs> I also say it's got a pretty good Sean Bean death in it. Like, yeah. in my opinion, 
Oh, it's yeah. it's a classic. It's a classic, like fucking, um, like eighties slash early nineties, like villain uh, exit, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it really Gets is. Impaled on a fucking anchor, and then the boat explodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's up. It's oh, up there with like fucking dumb um, shit of a movie. Well, it's I mean, up there with like it, Tommy it, Lee Jones's death in Under Siege, where he gets like a <laughs> thumb through his eye, stabbed in the top of the head with a knife, and then his face put through a radar screen. <laughs> Honestly, all all that's missing is something like "Give my regards to Poseidon" or some shit yeah. like that, and it's like strictly in you know yeah. in keeping. It's great though. I, I love how um I love how plotted by necessity this film is. Do you know what I mean? Yes, it's so good. It's like oh, like you know what I mean. The Jack, the the assassination attempt on Jack Ryan. Why isn't Sean Bean doing that if he's so mad for killing him? Um, because if he if they foiled his assassination attempt, the film would be over. Do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, um, like you know what I mean. The Sinn Fein guy in America says swears he'll never betray an Irishman, but luckily that woman turns out to really be from Yorkshire, so he can betray her. Yeah, so that can be and betrayed. by proxy. By proxy, all of the fucking like people with her, and like you know what I mean. It's like, oh well, how are we gonna? How are we gonna like square the fact that like you know a lot of Americans support the IRA? We can't show the IRA like causing a fucking like sweet innocent american child to lose a spleen they're not the ira <laughs> do you know what i mean the ira are actually very mad mad about them and then like at the end it's like how are we gonna how are we gonna like the, the there's a boat chase underway and how are we gonna like have jack ryan like oh it might be bloodthirsty if jack ryan kills too many people and also he can't shoot a woman sean bean shoots his like fucking compatriots like just you know what yeah, I mean? Just yeah. out of pure mm-hmm. rage, they go like, "Maybe we shouldn't be chasing this one dipshit into a, into a hurricane." And Sean Bean's just like fucking ah, and like machine guns them. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's great, like yeah. I mean, at least yeah, Sean Bean stayed true to his character, likes from start to finish. That's I I, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, Jamie, thank you for causing immense damage to my relationship by making us watch this this movie. I, I, fuck, this was Rob's idea, man. This was not my idea. <laughs> All right, pass the blame around. I'll see how it is. Yeah, right, I'm, I'm stopping this right now. This was my idea. It wasn't actually my idea, but for the purposes of pod law, it was my idea. Let's go with that. Um, will we will we talk about the other film, the, the worst film? Oh. Yeah, we started Christ. at the high point, did, listener. Did any of us actually watch this though? Because I literally, yeah. I literally I, I finished I watched... it. Like, I only finished it like twenty minutes ago, and I can't remember. I, I, you know me, I do all the content because otherwise I have nothing to talk about. So I, of course, watched all these fucking things. Go on, Rob, tell us about the other film. No, then. I don't what want was to it, Rob? It. It's, it... The best, the best part of this, uh, of the, what's it, what's it even fucking called? Without remorse. Without, uh, without remorse. The best part of this whole movie is in the first, like, 10 minutes where a guy just gets run over by a van and the van just fucks off immediately. It's, it's yeah. just extremely funny to me that way that scene is shot. Now the best part is is the is the guy that gets run over. It's like a second after that you hear his young daughter go, "Daddy!" <laughs> Just if you don't feel bad enough. What's baffling about that is I don't understand why they had to kill. Like, because they they go, "Oh, like, they've killed like two of the people from fucking like uh, John E. Kelly's fucking unit or whatever." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't understand why. Because the plan is that they, oh, they go to like storm his house and then leave a dead Russian in his house. And then the, like, the Americans would be like, yeah, we found it's, one it's dead to, Russian wanna... in this guy's house. We need to start a war. So they yeah. also have to run a guy over 
and then shoot a guy in traffic and leave no evidence of like Russian involvement in either of those scenes. It just seems like weird. Also, they go from like, we ran over one guy as he was putting the bins out. Go, all right, that's outside his house. That's clever. You know where that is. And it looks like an accident. Then the second guy, oh, he just happened to get stuck behind us in traffic, so we jumped out of the van and shot him. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> seems slightly well, he's less, on the phone, seems, no less. Seems slightly less plausible, but okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the lead is Michael B. Jordan, who I've had like a sort of a soft spots for as, as an actor since he did oh, yeah, uh, yeah. the last. He's pretty good. Like, he did yeah, the last oh, few a, seasons a, of uh, Friday really, Night Lights, in which he was very, very fucking good. He's a, and really, he did good act- other... he's a really good actor, is yeah. Michael B. Jordan B. Peterson. <laughs> Come on! Oh, he's also in the uh, the the Rocky uh, the last two Rocky things, which are also quite good. I thought I haven't seen them. Anyway, the whole the whole plot is um, my <laughs> Michael B. Jordan B. B. Peterson is a uh, special operative uh, super killer guy. Gets sent into Syria, I think, to do something yeah, rather for the CIA. In, um... He's in Syria, and Billy Elliot has him like fucking kidnap a Russian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And another another film that's just crying out for the USSR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, they do that. The mission is not quite what is is said that it would. Uh, the operatives uh, all go can't back tr- home. You can't trust the CIA. What is the world coming to? <laughs> <laughs> the like. I love that they portray like the CIA analyst guy in this one as like a badass as well. Do you know what I mean? Who like goes yeah. in with the frontline troops and everything, as opposed to Jack Ryan, where it's like, oh, the CIA are like on the case. Cut to like like a bunch of fucking nerds Jack in an Ryan office arguing at about tits. stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So they get, and then they figure out that the guy who sent all the killers to get the special operative, special boys was some kind of Russian super soldier yeah, it's uh, like evil the, mastermind guy. This, the CIA the CIA say they, they they're not gonna investigate the like shooting at the guy's house because it's tit for tat. Like they shot some Russians in Syria. So the Russians shot like some Americans in America and that's like all fair. Do you know what I mean? It's like now we're even. But Which um, <laughs> to but be John, fair, John like, John he's not I, happy with that because like he, he saw the eyes of the man who killed his wife. Yeah, and exactly, like, um, and and he swears many many revenges. Um, yeah, and then and then he goes on what I can only describe as a rampage for the rest of the movie. <laughs> it's yeah. so it's so bizarre though because he gets given the, like the information. Um, he gets given the information. It's like, oh well, these are the the guys. We don't know who the fourth guy was, but this like bloke is, at the embassy is the yeah, guy. He who does know. The, yeah, he approved the passport, so he'll know. So he then goes to a motel. And like pisses on his own clothes and like covers himself in alcohol so that he can turn up at the front of the embassy pretending to be like a uh, like drunk. And but then I don't understand why did he just fancy wearing pissy clothes that day or something? <laughs> he just sort of like staggers up to the two bodyguards and then like watches the guy leave. The guy leaves in a car and he just goes and like follows him. And it's yeah, like, no, well, he just he he surely wants you to could be have just not, waited he... outside the embassy until the guy left in the car. What? Why did you need to like piss on yourself and then like go up and fucking like? Across but, the guards outside. Jamie, how how else are you going to know that this that he's really mad? He's so furious oh, about I, his I, his I, dead wife. I don't it's doubt that he's called he's absolutely, spycraft. He's absolutely <laughs> fucking pissing mad about it. Yeah, like quite literally. quite literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Yeah, so he's got, he, he's got a fucking. Whatever. He gets the info, yeah. and then it turns out that they have to go 
to Russia to kill the oh, super no, no, evil don't, Russian. Don't sell it short, man. He like he fucking he rings he, he sicks the cops on the on the SUV full of fucking security guys so that only the limo will arrive at the airport, and then he rams the limo with a fucking pickup with a tow truck. Yeah, mm. sets the and limo on fire and then gets into the burning limo to like torture the guy. And then, and now uh, this is how you this is how you really know that he's uh, not only is he he's mad he's tortured as well because he's literally climbing into the flames with the no not what what was essentially a sworn enemy of his now yeah and it's just but it's just so dull you can see the yeah, yeah. you can see like, the very intelligence inherent it's you can it's see like, the intelligence inherent in him because like after he like comes out of the building limo having just shot a guy with a gun. In his hand, surrounded by cops, while black, um, and like covered in piss, he's like, "Oh no, it's okay. I'm special forces or whatever." And just yeah. the cops are just fine with that. Yeah, the cops like, are yeah, just like, "Oh, we have to respect the troop." You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Even one covered in like piss and the blood of Russian like bureaucrats. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's a it's kind of like a fucking uh, like a motif of this film is that nothing feels important. Like you know what I mean? It's like oh, he's just rammed a car, set it on fire, and got in the back seat, and it's just like shot like it's just like hey, he's just having a good time. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah. These are just mm. some events that are occurring. There's no like importance <laughs> or like urgency to them. Yeah, it's so... just like. The whole so way Michael through, B- it's like that. Yeah, so Michael B. Jordan gets thrown in jail, but then gets out of it again because he's the only person. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is who this can is lead the team to catch. He the gets evil. He gets Russia. out after doing his uh, best uh, Charles Bronson impression. Yeah, yeah he does um, kick the shit out of a bunch of prison guards, which I can fully appreciate and you know get behind. Um, yeah. He yeah, that, gets, that was, he that gets was out because he um he tells he tells Greer who if I'm if I'm not mistaken is like the niece of James Earl Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is like, that who she is? Yeah, she's that's who she's meant to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like not not like the actress from Peterborough, I think, but no, like the uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the character. <laughs> Fuck's sake! The character is meant to be like the fucking the niece of of uh, Jim Greer. Is it Jim Greer? Yeah, Jim Greer. Yeah. yeah. For sure, which is which is uh, yeah. You can you can tell I paid a lot of attention to who these characters were, yeah. can't you? Just James Earl Jones in the fucking in the um the original. Uh, well, she, films. She's she's a, a girl boss um, Navy Seal as well. Yeah. She's yeah. the commander of the Navy Seals, even she's yeah, the super like, girl boss. Which is like so fucking hard trying to make some kind of fucking point about the military being very modern or some shit because I'm pretty sure like two women have passed the tests that you need to go through to join the seals but you also need to do those same tests for like driving the boats for the seals and i'm pretty sure but that's both those women are actually doing so yeah cool um okay oh i mean i've i know from the the jack ryan tv show that like driving the boat is a special unique skill that no one in the navy possesses <laughs> do you know what i mean oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, did jim halpert say that he gets out. He gets out of prison because he tells her that he knows like who 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 done it, and so he gets to go and see fucking Mike from Neighbours, who's like very interested in finding out who done it. I do. I do like how when uh, after he's um, like been freed from prison, goes to like the like secret place that they're you know all the all the yeah it's a ship secret container. intelligence people it's ship yeah. container in a warehouse. That's how you know this. Yeah, like, no and uh, and. And to make sure that he's not lying about knowing who this guy is, uh, they bring up like um, 
uh, what would you call it? Like a gallery like a lineup, of... lineup, yeah. Yeah, lineup of around, like eight people. And he just says, I'll talk right one. And be, it would be quite funny if he just fucking guessed that. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, oh, well, shit. There's no, there's no possible way that our gambit could have gone wrong. Definitely not a one in eight chance of it falling over. But yeah, it's like... Um... The thing is, though, it's like he's on the team, and like, uh, like Greer says, I don't think we should take him because he's a fucking like liability at the minute. You know what I mean? He, like, I don't know if anyone remembers, but just recently he set a car on fire and then sat in the back of it torturing a guy. Yeah, it's probably not a good idea to bring a person on this operation that is on a rampage. Yeah, but like fucking, but you know what I mean? Like Guy Pierce is having none of it. He's like, no, I don't remember that. So they. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they fucking take him anyway, and then like they have to go on a fucking, they have to go on a like a was a seven forty seven that like the that looks it looks like a passenger plane, but it's actually like a CIA fucking like thing that you just jump out the back of. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's got all the gear. It's also the worst hidden thing because they're like, yeah, we're pretending to be like a a, a regular flight, but then they're like, uh, oh yeah, no, we're, we're yeah, hiding. Like- but a then plane, there's literally plane, no passengers like a, on board. It's like the worst. Yeah, a fighter turns up just as they're all about, like they're all, they've got the back door open and they're all about to jump out and a fighter buzzes them and they're like, shit, close the doors, pretend we're not in. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's a terrible plan and the Russians were right to shoot them down. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. But yeah, there's intrigue because Billy Elliot wasn't on the plane. He like, yeah. he arranges like his own fucking personal transport. So they're like, ah, he must be behind it. But then they like, uh, like fucking jaunty fucking chokes him half to death and decides that because he didn't like fucking piss himself, he he must be must be telling the truth. And they all they, also, all, when, go, um, they all go to when do they... a war crime on Russian soil, don't they? Yeah, but, but when um, so when this like fighter jet shoots them down, like he spends like a good like fucking twenty minutes or some shit underwater. It feels like. Um, just like fully turns into a fish man so that he can yeah. liberate all of this like you know special ops gear. I assume, uh, I assume this is a requirement they, of getting into the, the fucking, whatever the fuck he's the in. Boat. They need the boat. I can't remember what they call it. The Zodiac. The Zodiac. That's the one. Yeah. Anyway, they end up in in in, in Russia. They meet uh, Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot. Yeah. They, <laughs> <laughs> they, they meet who? Rob. Billy Billy they meet vanilla ice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they meet Billy Elliot again. And then... <laughs> Billy Elliot. Oh, hey, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they meet that guy again. Decide that he's not actually the traitor. <laughs> yeah. And then they go off to find the real Russian super monster villain guy, who turns yeah. out to be turns out to be an American. Yeah, and, and also a CIA. Oh agent. yeah, spoiler alert! It's actually the CIA all the way down. Yeah, yeah. it's great though because when they're when they're reading the fucking backstory on like the guy who has like a really ru- like like ostentatiously Russian name, um, when they're like <laughs> reading his like dossier at the CIA, they mention like briefly that he spent like he, he came to America as a child briefly. And I think that's meant to forgive the fact that they just hired an American to play him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, it's uh, much much like in uh, the fucking third Has Fallen film. If you've ever been to, like, a country, the US, yeah. you, imme- you immediately take on the accent. Yeah. So, <laughs> same logic applies. 
Yeah, and yeah. that guy that guy does like a suicide bomb and then Yeah, like, after snipers. doing like a dramatic speech saying we are all pawns on the chessboard. Yeah. And... yeah, it's geopolitics, son. Do you know what I mean? And then like blows himself up. And then snipers pin them down and they have to do some literal rainbow six shit where they like make a new door by like <laughs> blowing a hole in the wall so that they can get out and like flank the snipers or something. Well, they end up, like, essentially, everybody ends up escaping via different routes, but the, but first they do sort of empty the whole city of cops and soldiers, because it's just like a slaughterhouse of a scene. Well, like, like, yeah, like, the snipers the snipers start shooting the cops to, like, make it look like the Americans shot the cops. Yeah. And then they, like, they escape the snipers, and the, there's more and more cops arriving, and they, like, and, like, uh fucking michael p jordan says like you know well as far as as far as the world's concerned he's not a soldier he's a felon so if he dies here it doesn't matter and everyone else like heroically escapes in the van they came in while he goes up to the roof <laughs> and shoots at the police um but he like just like a fully crazy fully crazy just like shooting people off the top of a roof it's great yeah he's like shooting he's shooting at the cars and throwing grenades at the cars and his fucking like his grenade thrown like arm is just incredible do you know what i mean like yeah the motherfucker should be like doing like major league baseball or something because he just like <laughs> he just pitches one of these grenades off the roof and it like takes out a car and only a car every time do you know what i mean there's just no like there's no bounce or anything it's just no like Nothing but net every shot. Do you know what I mean? Like fucking <laughs> just taking out these cars everywhere, and then like, and and only shooting at the cars as well because he doesn't want to kill any police. But that changes as soon as the police get to the rooftop, and he just starts like shooting them and yeeting them down staircases and all sorts. Um, and there's like there's a weird like motif that because because when he when he confronts the Russians in his house at the start, him and the fucking like the the guy that just blew himself up. When they like meet on the fucking like landing, they both like just empty their guns while staggering to like because they yeah. shoot each other immediately <laughs> and then empty their guns while staggering towards each other and falling over. And then as he's coming down the stairs here, while while a torch rolls around very yeah. moodily lighting both of them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then while he's while he's coming down the stairs in this apartment after fighting like a hundred Russians in just in the most boring, like, it's like so weird because it's like oh, you know, they're not doing the Jason Bourne thing of like shaky cam and jump cuts. They're showing you the action, but it's just like, eh, you know what I mean? You just don't feel anything. I don't no, know if it's the, it's, if it's the yeah. music choice or what, like, but it just it just feels like... It's incredibly like... flat. I yeah. mean, that's, the, like the... A, that's a pretty good description of Tom Clancy's shit generally, to be honest. It's like, it's full of rich detail that you'd expect to have an emotional reaction to, and yet the way it's delivered, no matter what medium, there's just not, there's not really any emotional reaction to it. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, and as he like staggers down the, the, the stairs into the lobby of the building, he like shoots a bunch of like people while falling over again. And then he, he blows he like blows up the bottom floor of the building and escapes in an ambulance. Like dresses yeah, up but he, one of he's the, wear yeah, exactly. He's wearing an outfit up as, from yeah. yeah. Dresses up as one of the Russian like bomb guys and then escapes in an ambulance. And then they go back to America. But the like, but um, like the CIA guy decides that like he, he's got, he just happens to have a bag of money that he can give him, yeah, and, yeah. and they'll they'll tell everyone that he died, and then he can sneak, then he can sneak up on Guy Pierce in a toilet, and like fucking <laughs> attack him like Agent Forty Seven. Oh my god! Oh right, so yeah, he, he does this and he takes him into the car, and then he confronts him, and there's this whole fucking insanely ideological speech that he oh, gives. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Fuck me. I've got the transcript here, right, so I'm just going to read this. Oh, good. Go. Cool. 
Do you know who won World War Two? It wasn't the generals or the admirals. It was the economists. <laughs> <laughs> More tanks, planes, ships, and all that spending lifted this entire nation out of poverty, freed the world from tyranny. A big mm. country needs big enemies. The best mm. enemy we ever had was the Soviet Union. Oh, they missed them. <laughs> Can I get Can a drop, please? <laughs> the, the irony, the irony of a military industrial complex speech. Yes. <laughs> Please be upstanding for the meal ticket of the military-industrial complex. <laughs> like, goddamn, the irony of that appearing in a Clancy property should not be lost on anyone. Yeah, our fear of them. <laughs> the U- the our USSR people. is a hero to the people the world over. <laughs> <laughs> our fear of them unified our people gave us purpose. The problem today, John, <laughs> is half this country thinks the other half is its enemy because they have no one else to fight. You, so we gave them a real enemy. This is literally. This is like I'm not kidding. This is like literally project for a new American century. That's literally what they did. They said like mm-hmm. now the USSR doesn't exist anymore. We need to have a new one because otherwise like you know the american experience will fall apart that's literally why they psychos thought they needed to go to iraq this is you know fucking statecraft at this point <laughs> like like this and is obviously being heel. said yeah this is all being said by like the big bad guy but like it's kind of like this is kind of it's, it's just a bit confused because it's like it's do you know what it is it is a worse version of the speech delivered many years later in metal gear rising revengeance <laughs> by the crazy <laughs> antagonist right that's what it is i think i don't think that, i don't think that was many years later though this this film believe it or not only came out like two years ago yeah it did yeah, yeah seriously yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's oh, very it's, recent oh wow it's it's, did, kicking, did, did. it's kicking off a, a presumably kicking off a new amazon like fucking funded uh, it came out this year yeah, it's, Jeez, this did is, it? yeah, but it's been oh in my like, God. development for 20 years, so. Well, do you think they like stopped when Metal Gear Rising Revengeance came out and they went, ah, oh, shit, they've stolen our bit, let's rewrite it? No, probably not. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I feel Tom, like Clance- Tom Clancy would have been hard for nanotech, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he, like, he drowns, drowns fucking Guy Pearce in a river and then sees, <laughs> yep. sees his wife in, like, in, on the island from Lost. Well, you know what I mean. She tells, <laughs> she tells him, she tells him there is a heaven, but this isn't it. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not there yet. Yeah. Uh, His wife turns around and says, "Darling, heaven is a place on earth." Essentially. <laughs> oh, do you know what else I want to address here? Like, I don't know. I, I, I have no fucking idea where this came into the script or when this was added. Um, but as like the water's coming up in the car when he's drove it into the river. He continually fucking goes on at Guy Pierce to say his wife's name. Yeah. And full on gives it the say her name stuff. And I'm like, this feels weird here. Like mm. I, 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 I don't know how much I like this. Like I don't know, it just felt icky. I don't know. I mean like the the whole the whole film just has no real emotional heft behind any of it. Like it's like, yeah, his wife is killed, like 15 minutes into the start of the movie and it's just like mm, just like oddly yeah. just it consumes you for the rest of the movie like so okay so he's got the guy who kind of gave the go ahead for his wife to be killed and it's like okay say her name 
Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just like there's no, nothing. It's, it's not even that. It's like it's the whole like it's it's a Black Lives Matter kind of fucking bit, and it's like why is yeah, the Tom Clancy right. film doing yeah. that? That feels yeah. really weird. That's what yeah. that's what put me off about it. Yeah. it was like, mm, what? No, no, I don't like that. <laughs> anyway, this this the weird thing is, and uh, James, you confessed to me once upon a time that you had also read the books. This movie, oh, no. script wise has absolutely nothing but nothing at all with the actual story of, of the book which is way more dark and way more fucked up in many many yeah. ways because <laughs> um, in the book uh, uh, his wife isn't his wife his wife is um, a prostitute that John T. Kelly rescues from I don't know somewhere in a bad part of town um, and then mm-hmm. she, he helps her detox by literally putting her through like cold turkey therapy by locking her in a closet in his apartment until it gets, until it gets better. Um, mm-hmm. Then drives her to like to follow up therapy or something where her former pimp notices her, shoots up the, ki- uh, the, the windows of the car, kills, uh, kidnaps her. She gets like gang raped and murdered and he is left for dead. And there's a whole subplot where he has to like rescue uh, uh, Vietnam prisoners of war who are being interrogated by evil USSR agents. And like, there's a mm-hmm. really, really fucked up scene uh, in the middle of the book where like he's out for he's on a rampage as well, but this time against like the the pimp drug dealer guy. And like, he kidnaps one of his henchmen. And there's like a pages long scene where he kidnaps one of the henchmen and like tortures him using a, a, a pressure chamber, like a hyperbaric t- chamber. Where yes. Just, oh like, shit! No. Oh man, it's all coming flooding back yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. I hate I you for this. Oh no, I blocked that. I genuinely blocked. I read this way way too long ago, and it's all coming back. Oh no. And like he he gets the guy to confess by essentially exposing him to like severe decompression sickness. By like essentially exploding all the veins in his body, it's incredibly mm. like. Uh, yeah, I love to I love to brutal. torture people by like turning their cells into soup. Yeah, yeah, but that's literally what happens. Like, it's it's, it's one of the like, it it remains with me even now, even though I read this book when I was a teenager. Like, it's mm. really incredibly fucked up, and like I I remember reading it, and so you get an imprint right okay so we're just gonna go here sorry i know you said no horny on the pod david but bear with me um you get, okay. curious how you're turning you get, this into horny fuck it out well you you get the impression you get the Built impression that penis. Tom, <laughs> well this is the thing you get the impression that tom clancy is having a wank under the table as he's writing with one hand basically and a lot of the stuff he writes okay and the two there's two areas where it really comes to the fore right and neither of them are actual sex scenes one of them is when he's talking about military hardware right the other is when he's writing the dark torture scene shit. I don't know any other way to describe it. It just feels grotty in a way that isn't just... It's, it's not the subject matter is horrific enough. It's the way he describes it. Yeah. It feels yeah, like no, he's getting off on it. It's, it, it, it's, it honestly, it's like, it feels it's, like he's into it. It's later season 24 levels of really fucked up kind of... Yes. <laughs> Fuck's sake. You know, like really, really not on. Um, but yeah, the book is like. I'm, I'm uh, glad they've managed to continue that in the same vein that um, you know the FBI says Happy Martin Luther King Day. Like that's <laughs> cool, good shit. But yeah, it's an it's like it's an incredibly uh, uh, fucked up movie, and by the end, he's literally like uh, uh, killed his way through the entire uh, uh, Vietnamese army, uh, a drug gang, and like. Uh, 
a, a whole other series of, of people who all have to get slaughtered. But by the end, the, the police is on him and they figure it out. And then the guy to whom John T. Kelly confesses that he's killed literally every single person in Baltimore is Jack Ryan's father. And that sort of ties it back into the Jack Ryan series. Mm. Right. <laughs> it's really fucked up. But the thing that ties this into its successor movie is, is if it ever gets made, um, the without remorse, the movie is the end credit scene where we are promised uh, Rainbow Six. Yeah. Yeah. Other films, please stop doing post-credit scenes challenge. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, like this film did not fucking earn a post-credit scene. Holy Correct. shit! No, it did not. But the thing is, like, post-credit scenes, right? They're not intrinsically a bad idea when they're used as like a coda to a film, right? But what quickly happened is the Disney execs realized that oh, we can use post-credit scenes as basically captive advertisement for upcoming properties and how everyone does it just to advertise other shit and it's just the worst thing in the world i hate it i really hate it i don't ask need a teaser anyone, for the next film ask anyone who's ever worked in a fucking cinema how much of a pain in the cunt post-credit scenes are <laughs> yes yeah. also not everyone uses them as fucking advertising unless they are actually making a fucking sequel to uh angel has fallen where him and his dad just piss in a fucking bath all day I mean, <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know, man, but like, it's it feels like more and more of them are doing that these days. Well, it feels like that's the direction. It's like everything has to be a property because Capital says everything has to be like a franchise property, right? Um, and that means everything has to have a next time on, you know. Yeah, well, I'm waiting you know for I mean? the, the gym. You've got to keep your investors happy. I, I miss the days where what you get at the end of the credits was something like James Bond will return. No details, just like, there's going to be another one, guys, carry on, sort of thing. Like, that's all you need, at most. I mean, and this, even then. I mean, to be fair, at this stage, you're, like, probably a safe bet is more likely than not there's going to be a sequel sequel to whatever film you're watching. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but, Especially if there's Amazon yeah. money involved. But Rainbow, yeah, exactly. Rainbow Six is, if they make it, and if they follow the book, is going to be fucking wild. I haven't played the game. Oh, oh, I mean, they're man. not going to, they're not going to fucking, I tell you, I guarantee you, they're not going to just make a fucking film about Rainbow Six. It's going to be like a series of films and a TV show. Like, like, I think Rainbow Six. Game. Like, it would not, would not surprise me if Amazon, like, tried to fucking somehow do the thing where, you know, like, because, like, Ubisoft obviously own all the rights to do Tom Clancy games forever. Yeah. Mm. And they get around, like, they get around not having the rights for, like, books by writing books based on the games. Yeah. So well, I wouldn't, the thing it wouldn't surprise me if Amazon tried to, like, make Rainbow Six games, but, like, claim that they're legally distinct from Ubisoft's Rainbow Six <laughs> games because they're based on the films. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, we, we, we see, here's the thing, actually. The Rainbow Six novel that was written was actually written to tie in with the release of the first Rainbow Six game. And can, can I talk a little bit about Rainbow Six and then the Rainbow Six game series? Am I okay to go off oh, here a little Christ, bit? Oh, Christ, yeah. We're done with like fucking Billy Elliot's geopolitical adventure, so yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. So, by way back, actually, before we get going on this, just because we're going to be touching on the video games, I want to ask you guys a serious question. Over, under, right? Just give me your closest to your bet. How many Tom Clancy's video games have there been? Do you want to take a guess? Uh, 75. 100. 56. Th- 36. Okay. Um, Rob is technically closer. There have been 45 at last Jesus count. Jesus fuck. Where? Sick. <laughs> yeah, right. 
But don't worry, everyone else will have been correct at one point or another if you wait long enough, right? Because it is a, it's a long-rolling thing. And what's really weird about the video game thing is how it actually got started, because, because, um, Tom Clancy, and, and this still blows my fucking mind, Tom Clancy founded a video game yeah, studio. Yeah, he did, that's right. Yeah. I In 1996, Clancy co-founded Red Storm Entertainment, right? You know, Red Storm Rising, Red, Red Storm, Storm Entertainment, oh get God. it? Get it? Uh-huh. Um, and so they published The Hunt for Red October on IBM PC, Commodore 64, and Amiga in 1987. <laughs> and then the How next are they, year... Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goddamn. Um, yeah, and then the next year we followed up with Red Storm Rising in 1988, right? Same idea, a, a submarine sim basically loosed on the thing. But what's really funny is clearly Red Storm Rising didn't go so well, so we're like, okay, let's um let's go back to the classics. And so then in 1990, three years later, they published The Hunt for Red October, a different game. Um based except based Yeah, well, <laughs> just yeah. If they, they went back to the very first game they'd done and redid it, and then produced another version specifically for the NES. And so they basically did all this, but it didn't go very well, right? And it kept going all the way through to the 2000s. They did the sum of all fears in 2002, which was a tactical first-person shooter. <laughs> that, <laughs> Similar game, in... that game was fucking incredible. A mate of mine bought that. I remember uh-huh. like, coming back from fucking PC World or wherever the fucking being. He's like, oh, I got this. It looks fucking really good. It looks like Counter-Strike. And I'm like, yeah, the film was shit, mate. And he's like, well, I'm going to play the game anyway. And he, like, fucking, he was like, the game was shit. I was like, well, I fucking did tell you. Do you know what I mean? I just tried to warn you. It's like, oh, it's like the worst thing I've ever fucking played. <laughs> yeah, and the, the thing is, they also produced other games during this this time, including, and this, I think this is fair to say this was their breakthrough game. This is a game where people sat up and took notice. They produced Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, and Tom Clancy clearly realised that cross-marketing was what they needed here, so the book and the game basically released at the same time. And Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six is mind-melting, the actual novel, and yes, the game by yes, extension. Yes, yes, I don't know how... more. Big, how does, the, does the game closely track the plot of the book? I, I mean, like, okay, I'll be totally honest, the, the, the plot of the game is all, like, a bit of a text dump in between missions. So, not really, is the short version. The game itself was actually pretty good at the time. It's basically a squad combat simulator where, like, half the game is you've got a 3D map of a level, which is pretty cool, right? And you plot out what your party are essentially going to do at different times. And you basically lock in um, and, like, with them, you know, station up on this point, wait for my go signal and all of this. And basically you do, like, this tactical deployment thing, and then you can control one of the people at a time. Um, and essentially you you go in and you basically play it out. Like, half the game is you're planning with your squad how you're going to tackle this hostage terrorist situation, and the other half is you actually executing it. And then it has like injuries and stuff that kind of occur during game that can actually kill people and take out your squad mates. You have to recruit okay, new so people. Okay, so it's like XCOM kind of. Well, it's like a three D. It's like a three D planning first person execution XCOM, right? It's and it's straight for people who fuck spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there you go. There you go. That that is actually it, right? And it was quite good at its time. Like genuinely, it was like it was a it was an innovation at its time. It's completely removed from the modern Rainbow Six series for fairly obvious reasons. But the plot, I mean, where do we even start? Um, oh how about the enemy? How about like before we get to what Rainbow Six is, which is mind melting enough? How about we talk about the fucking enemy of Rainbow Six? Because um, 
you know, it's a worldwide genocide attempt by eco-terrorists yes, is what is. they're fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, if that alone, you could not make... I do not think you could make Rainbow Six, like, straight down the barrel on TV today. Because I think everyone would be like, what, eco-terrorists wanting to commit worldwide genocide? I don't think so, mate. Like, it's, it's a entirely different time. Yeah, we've and all then, seen Thanos. I mean, it's... Well, yeah. it's... it's it's No, it's absolutely wild. It's essentially, like... Uh, there's Rainbow Six, but the the bad guys are as as James said, like they're eco terrorists, but they hire a former KGB guy who knows a lot <laughs> of terrorists to reactivate the terrorists, so they do a series of different crimes. So another part of the eco terrorist gets the contract to do security at Olympic Games, where they will release modified Ebola, um, which mm-hmm. they got from a previous book where Iran had merged with Iraq from uh, uh, the <laughs> United Islamic Republic, and they had already released Super Ebola into the US. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, Tom Clancy doesn't actually understand any geopolitics, but, like, I, I know we're oh, kind shit. of linked to the table with this one, but uh, just, just as a by the way. Okay. Um, cool. Right, so this is basically... The enemy is basically the Suicide Squad, but Ted Kaczynski's in it. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda, a little bit. But then right, what okay. Rainbow Six itself is, is also equally mad. Rob, I, you go on. T- tell them what Rainbow Six <laughs> is. Alright, so Rainbow Six is like the is like a Counter-Strike team, but they're made out they're made up of the best, like the best of the best of the best of the best of like all the NATO countries. And Israel, um, and they—they're all. <laughs> yeah, like it's funny enough, and then you add and Israel onto it, and it just—it transcends. It's great. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Israel as if it's like got the the coveted and or with in the movie thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're essentially like constituted in the wake of fucking something or other, I can't remember which of these books where where, where it starts, but they're essentially like an, oh. an, an extrajudicial US president-only murder machine that stops terrorisms uh, with elitism, and they have like supranational authority that su- they could just like walk into France and say, hello, we are Rainbow Six, no, you may not ask any questions, yes, we are here to take over your hostage scene, and it's just, it's really weird, like, it's really and fucked it's- up. Like, I've just looked it up on Wikipedia, and let me just read you the first paragraph, because I think this is the most Tom, Tom Clancy brain shit I've ever come across. <clears throat> CIA operative John Clark forms a secret multinational counter-terrorist unit known as Rainbow. <laughs> and if you're from Britain, that takes on a very different fucking connotation <laughs> in your head. <laughs> Jeez, Bungle, what are we doing tonight? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Gets better. Based in Hereford, England, (laughs) the unit consists of two operational squads composed of elite soldiers from NATO countries and is supplemented by intelligence and technological experts from MI6, Mossad, and the FBI. Clark serves as the commanding officer, his son-in-law, Domingo Chavez leads one of the two squads, and the second in command is Special Air Service Officer Alistair Stanley. <laughs> Ta-da! Like, that's that's the setup for it. And, you know, it, it then goes into the, the very cool operations of Rainbow Six. And, yeah, it's just, it's, it's so nuts. It's absolutely nuts. There's one scene um, in, in, in this, like, one of the terrorist scenes that they foil is essentially the terrorists take over Disneyland, like not Disneyland, but in Spain. 
And like mm. a, a, again, in like sort of the desire for gruesome torture, I'm fairly sure that one of the terrorists like shoots a, a dying girl in a wheelchair in the head to prove how serious they are. It's incredibly fucked up. Like mm-hmm. it's wildly out of control. Uh, as it, whatever. So they they foil the whole thing. The, the hyper Ebola does not get. Sorry, can I? It, can I? Is add? it played? Is it played really straight, or does the terrorist say make a wish? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's entirely straight. It, 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 it's like it's straight, but inherently humorous because it's Clancy writing it. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, I kind of get where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, like the, the line in the Wikipedia article, by the way, just says they are then deployed to a hostage situation in an amusement park in Spain, where a group of French terrorists have taken a group of children hostage and demand that various prisoners, including Carlos the Jackal, be released. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Like, okay. yeah. Who's Carlos the Jackal when he's at home? I'll wait. Oh, you you don't actually know. Um, don't Carlos know. the Jackal is a Venezuelan convicted of terrorist crimes who's currently uh, serving terrorist a life sentence crimes. in France for the 1975 right, murder okay. of an informant for French government. He's an actual real life guy. Um, All right, okay, but yeah, okay. he, he, here's the thing: he's a committed Marxist-Leninist, among other things, um, and he was <laughs> he was involved with the Stasi and the KGB, right? So this is a real life guy, and Tom Clancy's going, yeah, just to make clear that these eco terrorists are evil, they're gonna request Carlos the Jackal be released from <laughs> right. prison. Okay, fuck. I didn't think he would be that fucking out there to just say, uh, "I right, let's just add in a real guy." Oh no, this is Tom Clancy's shit though. Yeah, it they, like, they tone it the down two, for yeah. the films. But they, in his books, he's like in his books, he's clearly doing a line and then getting straight into it, and he's dead. So sue me, Clancy. So uh, yeah, no, I, I, it's just it's, it's absolutely crazy. It's just absolute bug fuck, just yeah. nonsense. It, it, it ends, by the way, when all the uh, uh, Cabal's plots are revealed and exposed, and the Hyper Ebola does not get released thanks to last minute savior actions, and then they find out who's behind it all, which is like a tech billionaire and the head of the private security company. And they've built a second compound in like the middle of the Amazonian rainforest because they're eco terrorists. Yeah. They want to live there and like study nature and ride out the, the global mega death, essentially. Um, and then oh, it, the, the ending it, is so yeah, like... it, 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 it ends with like they take the base and they shoot all the eco terrorists with guns, except for like a couple of people. I think it's like the last couple because she was the president's science advisor, but also secretly an eco terrorist. Um, and he was the head of the bio company and they literally like forced them to strip naked then kick them out of the helicopter and say go be close with nature as the helicopter flies away and that's supposed to be <laughs> yeah like- they, they, they leave they leave the survivors naked in the jungle to reconnect with nature and the stated reason for this is because and this is the, the brilliant part they don't have enough evidence that would get them convicted. Oh, yeah, that was it. <laughs> like, that's the part that's really... It's like, all right, we've taken the terrorist base full of evil terrorists and shot them all to death. And these guys on the scene, well, it's just circumstantial, isn't it? So uh, I guess we'll just strip them naked, kick them out in the jungle as a kind of vigilante justice uh, because we couldn't get a conviction in an actual court of law. Rainbow Six! <laughs> yeah. Not just international, but supranational. Above above the law of nations. I mean, to be fair, and, this uh, gets worse because after this, but this is also think after Tom Clancy himself dies, they do the whole thing which is called the the, the campus, which is where Jack Ryan, he of uh, uh, earlier uh, cultural committee fame, um, becomes a member of the campus, which is an even more super secret CIA organization that does even more war crimes. 
welcome to the next level. Yeah. Like, that's it all the way through. Echelon. Sorry, you're right. <laughs> and it literally is Echelon, by the way, because on the subject of, like, video games... Isn't, like, that, the, uh, isn't that the group fucking, like, Mr. Goggles works for? from <laughs> Kind of, yes. <laughs> right? Um, because they, like, here's the thing, the, the Clancy verse is all connected. It's all got the same, it's got the same actors, the same incestuous bullshit, and it even goes through to the Tom Clancy's video game series <laughs> specifically, right? Um, well, actually, let me let me ask you a question. Of all the Tom Clancy uh, Rainbow Six games, how many uh, how many do you think there are just in total? Rainbow Six Tom Clancy games. Do you want to have a guess? Half a right. dozen. Sixteen. Six. I'm just going to say, yeah. yeah. Twenty-two. <laughs> did, did you count that, Alistair? Yeah, I had to get all the shoes and socks off to wear that one out. <laughs> no, no, I mean, did you actually go check it on the wiki because it is 22? <laughs> <laughs> just plucked a fucking number out of the air and I got it right. So, um, yeah, so why, well done. why ever learn anything? Um, yeah, it, it runs from Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six all the way to the most recent one was Rainbow Six Siege, which was 2015. And then there's one Rainbow Six Extraction is coming out next year, essentially. Well, that's the one with the aliens. That's, that's the one with the aliens. But yeah, the most recent one, I think... Was that not the mobile game where the where the evil like Empire was Black Lives Matter? Was that not a <laughs> uh, tie-in? Oh yeah, might have been. Wait, I think that was that not Division or some shit. Like I don't know. I think it was. Like there's a lot because right. Okay, so Tom Clancy's video game series, right? There's the the fucking Amiga and like you know ones that they kind of fucked around with. It didn't really go anywhere. But Red Storm Entertainment, but Ubisoft bought Red Storm Entertainment. And they did it to basically buy the rights to do Tom Clancy's shit in perpetuity. So actually, Amazon is not going to be able to do a game off the back of this because they, they have these lock, these rights locked down tight. Um, so there's a Rainbow Six series. There's the Ghost Recon series, oh, yeah. which includes all your favourites, Jamie. Also Clone Dances, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's uh, Tom Clon- Clancy's End War, which got like a, some total of two games. There's Tom Clancy's. Oh, Hawks. that was the one where you had to shout into the microphone to make things happen, and no one liked yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> everyone hated it. There's there's Tom Clancy's Hawks. A sorry, H A W X. Right. Oh, there's fuck fucking hell. There's Tom Clancy's <laughs> The Division. There's a couple of standalone game calls Tom Clancy's Elite Squad and Tom Clancy's X Defiant, which is apparently to be announced and not counted. But then the other one and the big series and the one that I actually kind of I like, but boy. It's got issues. Is Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, which I think is when, if like if Ghost, not Ghost Recon, what am I saying? If Rainbow Six was a breakthrough and then Ghost Recon kind of became a bit of bread and butter over time, Splinter Cell was like the one that was really well regarded for the game side of things. I don't know and why though. I've played a couple of Splinter Cell games and they are fucking atrocious. Yeah, they it are pretty fucking shit. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. It depends on the game. Right, I mean, I remember some of the them first are one, just bad. The first one where it was like it was like one of the first sort of like first person stealth things. Yeah, it was like really Most big, it... and it was, but it was like you know in the mid nineties one or, or late in the nineties. I don't know. I remember what it was. So but... the first Splinter Cell was released in two thousand and two, and none right, of okay. them are first person. So is it third person? Um, then? It's third person. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, so these are the these point... are the Mr. Goggles games. Yeah. 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 Mr. Goggles. But the point is, like, yeah. it, it's a stealth Marita game. Hullet runs a village shop. It's a stealth game before they established like the fucking the sort of language of stealth games. So it's basically just yes. like you bumble around and then a guy sees you and you die in a hail of gunfire and fuck you, start the level again. Yeah, kind of like There's that. There's no like detection but... meters or indication of whether you're hidden where well, or anything like. That. 
So they, they sort of, they started pioneering that in Splinter Cell a bit. Like, they took some really good lessons from the old Thief games, if anyone remembers them, and they actually kind of put them in place. And what's really interesting about Splinter Cell, in its initial incarnation, is it's basically yet another secret cabal kind of thing um, called Third Echelon, which is put together after the collapse and failure of Second Echelon. And if some Tom Clancy nerd wants to write in and explain what Second Echelon is, then please feel free, okay? Um, but it's kind of like David's... through the games move up to like the fourth echelon as well, <laughs> like in, in the process of the games moving on. <laughs> I think it does actually. I've not played right full disclosure. I've not played the most recent Splinter Cell, but I think there's something about like fourth echelon or something like that in it. Um, but it's like it's it's very it's very bizarre. And what's really interesting is you get to chart. I'm convinced, right? I'm convinced that they, they almost certainly get like U.S. Defense Department funding. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Jimmy, right? I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely one hundred percent. And you can absolutely trace the influence because. In the first Splinter Cell, the game goes out of its way to make it kind of hard and frustrating and painful to kill people. Like, i got to give it credit, the first Splinter Cell game, you can kill people, but it is entirely not how the game's meant to be played, and the game actively discourages you from doing it, and all the stuff it gives you to avoid killing people is easier to use, is better, is more effective, and, you know, so on and so forth. And there's only one person in the entire game that you're really meant to kill, and that's right at the end of the game, you've got to assassinate basically the guy who's done the entire game's thing. But that's like played off as being a, right, this has to happen because otherwise this is going to happen again and we've got no other way around it. And like they, they try and work hard to justify it, right? Okay. However, <laughs> by the third game, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, they've now changed it so that you've got a choice um, between you know non-lethal and lethal. But the lethal is quicker and easier and more effective. And you just like tap button, stab guy, grab body, drag kind of thing. And yes, it's more fun to play as a consequence. But all that philosophy of, you know, Splinter Cell's meant to be a team of ghosts. They're not seen. Sam Fisher is meant to be this thing in the shadows and you never see him. That just goes. It's gone. And instead it's placed with, you are an ultra spec, like, you know, um, you're not just the best of the best, but you are a warrior kind of shit runs through it. Um, and then by the time they get to Splinter Cell Conviction in 2010, which is a good game, they basically go, what if Splinter Cell but Jason Bourne? And they basically do an entire plot arc about you having no gadgets and no tech. And over the game, you're basically earning your way back into the the secret kind of, you know, echelon, uh, which includes an absolutely baller sequence, to be fair, where it's Sam Fisher with no gadgets versus his old boss, Third Echelon, where you actually have to fucking... It, it plant bombs and explode them to get your to get into your old third echelon base to uncover the truth about like the dodgy shit they've all been up to and stuff. So there's like there's some good stuff here, but my god, do they work really really fucking hard to take any of the good parts that kind of were there in the initial conception and just go nah? Tom Clancy wouldn't approve of this, mate. Got to kill him. Got to get real into that wet work, mate. That's how it's got to go, and. Everything I've seen, the reason I didn't play the most recent one is it looked like it absolutely went into that you're a top-tier operator who doesn't take no bullshit kind of... Like, the the Jerry Race War films that we did, it basically seemed like it was that, but with less irony, <laughs> to be perfectly blunt. I mean... So... Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it. That, that, is the, that is the arc of all Tom Clancy games. It might start with an interesting idea, but by the end of it, by the end of it is basically Call of Duty Tom Clancy. Well, I mean, what I find sort of interesting is we talk about these these movies and especially the difference between like Patriot Games, the, the movie, and then the Without Remorse, the movie is like, I think it sort of shows, you know, Alistair, what you talked about earlier, like the, you know, there's no more 
Soviet Union. So essentially everybody's restless and bored. And it sort of shows like how uh, sort of the American right, because that's what it is, is is just like being slowly driven insane and sort of slowly becoming having like their lust for violence gets like more obscene and extreme with every iteration because that happens yes. in movies as well and like the the fantasies are, are more and more like baroque and extreme because like patriot games is essentially about you know a couple of ira guys trying to murder an american family and the prince of wales um and it ends with these incredibly like baroque murder fantasies on like this epic scale where thousands and millions of people have to die and it just like you know, it mirrors the, the, the movement of, I think, the, certainly the, the American right from the victory of the post-Cold War into this completely mad fantasy realm where not just, like, everybody is against them, but everybody's plotting against them in the dark. And, you know, I think, essentially, this is how you end up um, with uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, book. Because I think <laughs> Hillary Clinton's book is pretty much a, a Clontancy fantasy. Yeah, it is. It is Clom Tancy, absolutely one hundred percent. It's it's off-brand Tom Clancy. Yes, superb. And that's the thing. Like all of the all of this stuff is like it makes perfect sense that of all the game companies to actually have like Tom Clancy's IP property, but the one best suited is actually Ubisoft. Because what is Ubisoft known for if not really repeating the same shit? Sandboxes. Yeah, and loot boxes. Really and, like, extractive capitalism and, and giving sex you crimes in the office. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. well that's true and again like harrison ford in the women's bathroom yeah like like it, it kind of it's like poetry it rhymes you know yes it's um they, they have this whole yeah. yes poetry <laughs> doesn't have to they, rhyme though <laughs> it does not it it does not it does not but in this in this it does thematically it does because all we'd get from from ubisoft is what sex crimes exploitative capitalist practices and um, painting you a picture of a, a vast and kind of shitty, samey world where you are god and master, essentially. It's, it's just, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. But you get lots of cool gadgets, so who's to say whether it's good or bad or not? Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, like, the reason fucking the whole thing's just got more, it's, like, gone from... Because, like, Hunt for Red October is just a fucking guy who's, like, really excited about submarines. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. like, it's like the yeah. Jack Ryan, and that is just, like, fucking, oh, do I get to go on a boat? Mint. Do you know what I mean? He's, like, a fucking, <laughs> like, a kid on a on a day trip throughout that yeah. film. You know what I mean? And then, like, whereas, like, now Jack Ryan's, like, jumping out of a fucking helicopter and stabbing a guy in the neck and stuff for, for freedom. And it's, it is just, it is entirely because of the collapse of the Soviet Union. Because, like, you know what I mean? You couldn't really get away with going like, oh, and then like fucking Jack Ryan jumps out of a helicopter and stabs the Russian president in the neck. Like, you know what I mean? And like fucking jizzes on his corpse or whatever. During, like during the Cold War? Cause just no, no, Jamie. Nationalist, t- teabags him, Jamie. Teabags him. Yeah. But like now that the, like now that the Russians, like the, the Russians are, are no longer like, you know, it's like post-Soviet Russia. There's no, like, there's no one around to tell the Americans to wind their fucking necks in. So it's just yeah. like, Oh well, now you know what I mean. If we don't, if we don't like fucking kill like a hundred thousand foreigners a day, like you know what I mean, someone might knock over a building in New York again, and we couldn't have that. Well, and also they have to like simulate the the size and the threat of the the USSR. So like it can't be like a couple of Irish guys. It has to be like um, you know 
uh, Iraq. It has to be a coalition of all all the fucking like Middle Eastern terrorists who have ever lived. Iraq and Iran have to uh, London. Yeah, yeah. They have to like merge into one country because otherwise it doesn't. You know, you can't. Yeah, Iraq. Yeah. That's where the space comes from, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Probably. I still haven't watched Dunk. But yeah. Arrakan definitely sounds like something that would appear in the movie Dunk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just like um, 9-11, I mean, obviously no surprise to anyone, but like 9-11 obviously like just broke everyone's brain, didn't it? But no yeah. one more so than like fucking like uh, writers, I think. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah. you know, if you've spent your entire career, like I don't, what what was Tom Clancy like before and after 9-11? I imagine there's quite like a harsh fucking like a like a, a visible terminator between those two fucking periods. Not, you know what I mean? not really, actually. Like, actually, I'll give I'll give Tom Clancy credit. He was kind of consistent, right? Because like a Rainbow Six that was 1998, and it's got fucking eco-fascist terrorists attempting to genocide the entire Earth by using the Global Olympics sort of thing. So you know, like he he was who he was, and he was where he was pretty fucking early on. I think there is a difference between him at, like, the, you know, 1980s Tom Clancy and then late 1990s. I think somewhere well, I in mean, there... But, but I think I think the, the difference there is that by the, late, the mid to late 90s, he was a gamer. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, well, it's, it's, yeah, it's fine to go like, oh, well, yeah, you know, he was talking about, like, genociding everyone on the planet with, like, a fucking, with a bioweapon in 1996. But let's not forget that was for the plot of a game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like the plot of games. I think actually that was the plot of the film The Rock. I mean, <laughs> I mean, interestingly, the plot, of, the, the plot of like games has always been like decades ahead of films in turn in terms of like just you know what I mean, relentless, dead-eyed spectacle. In like fucking. Do you know why I? Do, do you know why I genuinely think that is? I think it's because games when they got started had less of a critical corpus. So if you try to pull that shit when say um. You know, major film critics were still kicking around. They'd go, this is horseshit, um, and it wouldn't land. But in the, the games industry, because that was seen as juvenile, it didn't have a critical corpus to point out how this was bullshit. And so they got to basically jump ahead there. I think that's a huge component of it. No, yeah. I, think it's, um, I think it's just because games were cheaper originally. Like... If you wanted to make a film about like how everyone in the world like suddenly the, like all the teeth fell out and their like dick turned blue because of a fucking virus <laughs> deployed by the Syrians or some shit, you know what I mean? That would be expensive to make into a film and no one would give you the money because they'd be like, "I'm sorry, what the fuck?" But if you wanted to make like if, if like 1989 you wanted to make that into a game, you would literally just need two nerds and a bedroom and you could like fucking, you know what I mean? You could reduce that to like the standards of the day. And, like, yeah, nowadays it's, like, you know, games have, like, fucking budgets of, like, hundreds of millions and and everything, but they're, they're still building on, like, you know, we, we hit the ground, like, the industry hit the ground running in terms of, like, fucking just stupid shit because we, mm. they never got to the <laughs> point where you told the fucking, like, the idiot who knows nothing about the world and thinks that, like, oh, well, yeah, actually this is how the world works. No one ever, like, no one ever sat down and explained to him that, like, no, it isn't and we're not going to publish that, you know what I mean? Because, like, it's yeah. what people expect from games, so you can just do that. Um, I said, I think you, I think you're right, but I, I guess in Tom Clancy, games found their perfect partner in a sense yeah. because Tom Clancy basically was an atrocious, guess, an atrocious nerd. 
Do you know what I mean? He, he was he was the the ur creator. He was the heart. Was of he like a, a weeb? A milk? No, because I get wasn't. I get distinct weeb vibes off him. No, you know what I mean? he was a he was a weeb for American military. I bet I he bet he, I bet he built a few Gundams in his time. Do you know what I mean? But he kept them he kept them hidden. Like people would come around his house and he'd have a cupboard. I don't know. Never room <laughs> full of like his Gundams. He was and he, he was not ta- That was no. embarrassing. But if you want if he wants to talk he, about no, like, he no been, he was n- notoriously he been like far more into Battleship Yamato. Like here's the thing, he was notoriously about realism to the point that he nearly fucked up a couple of films because he kept saying that wouldn't actually work in real life though. Like in Hunt for Red October, so I can't remember what it was, but something with a laser and he's like, No, no you it can't was the, do no, that. Um, it was like the fuel for the helicopter or some shit. Yeah, the, the well, bit was something the, like that and the bit with the laser, is that not the, the thing I mentioned when we talked about some like, talked about Jack Ryan? Where Maybe. um it's on the director's comment when well, it's not the director's commentary, but it's on the commentary track for some of all fears and like fucking uh Tom Clancy himself is like because there's a bit where the guy looks through the binoculars and you can hear what people are saying, and Tom Clancy was furious that like you can't actually hear people through binoculars. He doesn't matter he doesn't care how like <laughs> high tech the fucking binoculars are, they can't pick up sound, like you know what I mean? Um yeah. you need you need a special fucking like radar gun that shoots a laser at a window or something. You can't hear people outdoors yeah. with a fucking with binoculars. So so that's the thing. He wouldn't like Gundam or the rest of it because it's unrealistic. That is basically the, the thing of it. That's why, that's getting, why like, he kept we... it in a secret room and didn't show anyone, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> uh, it's a shame. Maybe. But, I don't know. But like I guess you know I, I mean? guess in some like let's let's be honest, the evolution of like American military hardware is like a giant robot that like runs around and like fucking punches things. So well, I mean, we are definitely getting Tom Clancy would have been so hard for those dogs which have got guns on them. Oh, basically. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, his corpse is probably wanking so hard his grave looks like a car wash by now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, at, at root, Tom Clancy is basically the perfect partner for the games industry and to a lesser extent modern Hollywood because he was like the progenitor of what I think you could probably describe as the military entertainment complex. Yeah. Because it's that, it's that intersection between making the games as propaganda to get soldiers to, to push into the military to do dumb shit um, and then that dumb shit pays the checks of the military hardware procurers who then put out these really great promotional videos on all their cool hardware, which gets the next generation of Tom Clancy's really hard in a way writing and producing video games, etc, etc, etc. And so it goes. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well I think that's probably as good a place as any to fucking end this, don't yeah. you? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Fair enough. We will catch you on the free one next week. Yeah. That's whenever we're back from our actual holidays and not had our brains fucking melted by producing all the previous content. Just FYI. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we, we literally recorded this halfway through December, in case you couldn't tell. So, if we're all dead from, like, mega-COVID, apart from Alistair, who's somehow immune, <laughs> yeah. then, uh, you and know, blame... hello from beyond the grave. And blame the... Yeah. I'm feeling it exceedingly was, it was, uh... worn out right now. It was a breezy Tuesday night, if, anyone, yeah. if anyone's that bothered. It was the... Uh, and if, if we're all dead, it was the Islamic eco-terrorist who did it, because that's who yeah. always does it. <laughs> in cahoots with the Russians. The rainbow yeah. variant of the hey. coronavirus. It, it was a rank. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Happy New Year. <laughs>